nursing home industry, even dating back to issue four, they were the main funders of that, of that measure, and they're heavily invested in this as well. I think they have interest because, you know, the value of beds that, that nursing homes own, mm-hmm. if they can pass something like this, would increase. Welcome to another edition of The Conversation. I'm Matt Price, the host, and today we've got Jesse Kibson, who's the current or incoming current, current, current. president of the Arkansas Trial Lawyers Association. Welcome. Thanks Thank for you. coming. Thanks for having me. Today we're going to talk about issue one, but first, why don't you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background about Jesse. Sure, thanks. I'm originally from the uh, metropolis of Lead Hill, Arkansas, which <laughs> is between Harrison and Branson, for those who might not know. Wait, is that near Coal Hill? Uh, no, that's but that's far north. Okay. Coal Hill is kind of kind of south. We're between Harrison and Branson, off of sixty five in Boone County. College, University of Arkansas, law school at the Bowen School at UALR. I've uh, been practicing in Little Rock for it pains me to say, but about twenty years, mm-hmm. focusing mostly on consumer protection, public policy, personal injury. I'm a member of the Bar House of Delegates, and as you said, the president of the Trial Arts Association. In my spare time, I'm the chair of Little Rock Parks and Rec Commission. Great. Yeah. Well, like I said, thanks for being with us today. So I know a lot of what you're working on right now is issue one. Right. And issue one is, you know, the short version, this is tort reform. And I know that's a lot of what you're focused on right now. And, you know, this is a familiar issue for Arkansas voters. It comes around quite a bit. Right. Can you talk to us about some of the details of the current initiative? Sure. In Arkansas, there's really two ways to get a constitutional amendment on the ballot. I think... Folks might be more familiar with the Citizen Initiated Act where you go get petition signatures. I'm sure you've seen people uh, at county fairs, river mm-hmm. market, wherever. But this is a legislatively preferred question. And each legislative session, each chamber will get one. And uh, then the third one kind of goes back and forth depending right. on even or, or whose turn it is. But this year what we have, uh, we have voter ID, which came from the House, and SJR 8, which started in the Senate, which is the Tort Reform Amendment, Issue 1. It'll basically do four things, the proposal. Number one, it will set a, an arbitrary cap on the value of any personal injury case or death, regardless of the facts, egregiousness of the situation, anything else. It'll place an arbitrary cap. It'll Number two, it'll put an arbitrary cap on punitive damages. Uh, what are punitive damages? Uh, it's for an intentional act, not a negligent act, but an intentional harm someone causes on another. It's that deterrent form of damages. I'll tell you. In that's, Arkansas, that's where you get the big numbers, right? That's oftentimes, people, and oftentimes yeah. two things. Number one, they're very rare. Uh, and number two, they're often not related to personal injury cases. Right. They're more often business on business cases. Right. Because that's where more often in a, in a personal injury situation, you're not talking about an intentional act. Right. You're talking about either careless or reckless behavior. So that's the context it more often arises in. And those are what get the headlines. Right. That's what people see. And it, yeah. Well, for instance, the Bayer Crop Science case, Mm -hmm. the the genetically modified rice, that was a fight between Arkansas rice farmers and a global corporation. Right. Those are the instances where punitive damages are are more readily available. And they'll place a cap on those. The third thing that it will do, it'll place a cap on attorney's fees. And we think this is the bait for the switch. It will put a cap on attorney's fees at 33% of the net recovery. That mm-hmm. does not define what net means. Mm-hmm. It will leave that to the legislature. Fourth, it will change the rulemaking authority. Since Amendment 80, the rulemaking authority has been vested uh, in the Supreme Court. And what this would do would be to change that back and place it 
uh, in the hands uh, of the legislature. Obviously, that's <laughs> concerning. Right. The reason is, very generally, is, you know, I often make reference to blind lady justice. And it's not just a piece of art. It's symbolic in that the blindfold means that all are equal before the eyes of the law. The concerning point about that last thing is that the rulemaking issue is that it would create very easily uh, visible potential for abuse mm -hmm. by the moneyed few, special interests. Mm -hmm. I, I think it would create or have the very real possibility of creating a rigged system. If you don't like how things are going, send your lobbyists to the legislature and let's get those rules changed. Mm -hmm. um, I have a nine-year-old who does that in sports a lot. If I'm <laughs> if he's losing a game, he just changes the rules and strangely right, enough right, he wins. Right. But it's cute when a nine-year-old does it, but when people's lives are in the balance, yeah. uh, I think that's that's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is an issue, you know, broadly talking about tort reform without getting too much into the details that, that Arkansas voters have, have voted down in the past. Is that right? Well, no, it, there was a ch I think you're referring to issue four, which was a citizen initiated act right. in 2016, which was ultimately thrown off the ballot by uh, the Supreme Court. There were two issues mm -hmm. at play. Number one, and the ultimate reason it was tossed off the ballot, and there were other cases, multiple cases on the same issue, but of a misleading ballot title, which was the ultimately the reason that it was tossed. Right. And the second issue was massive deficiencies and, dare I say, potential fraud in the way these signatures were uh, obtained. Mm -hmm. uh, if you'll remember, there were uh, stories in the media uh, about how many nursing home operators would go through their homes and get their own residents to sign these petitions. Uh, I believe that was reported right. pretty heavily. Right. So the, 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 the issue four did not go in front of the voters. The Supreme Court, I believe, properly removed it from the ballot. Now, going back, I'm going to show my age a little bit. Going back to 2003, there was uh, Civil Justice Reform Act of 2003, Act right. 649. That was passed by the legislature, which over the course of about a decade was chipped away at by the Supreme Court, saying no. These are procedural uh, issues, and the procedure, the power to set procedural rules, I'm getting in the weeds here, <laughs> it lies with the court, not the legislature. Therefore, you've overstepped your bounds. Legislature doesn't like that. The legislature, in my opinion, wants to view the courts as an agency to further their policy agenda, mm -hmm. not to be a check or a balance on what their power is. Right. And I think, it, I think, if you want to really get to, to the to a constitutional or, or a principle of discussion on this, that should be really concerning, is that I do believe there is a branch of government that does not appreciate and, and, and furthermore wants to, to, to do away with that check on their power. Right. And I really think that's at play here. And I know in some of the committee hearings on SJRA, there were legislators who said, yeah, that's precisely what we're trying to do. So, I mean, they didn't. It was five cards face up. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like, hey, you know, look over here while we do this. No, we, we, we don't want to have a check on our, our legislative power. Right. So let's back out of the weeds a little bit. Sure. Um, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, we have lots of legal listeners uh, and non-legal listeners. Talk to me about... You know, again, there's always going to be the public perception of why this sort of thing is pursued versus the real perception or the, what people think the, the real perception is. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about the motivations of why, you know, why legislators push this to the ballot? Yeah, I've, I've been going out to the legislature uh, and, and, and doing 
I guess you'd call it amateur lobbying for quite some time. Um, citizen lobbying. Citizen lobbying. Citizen lobbying. Correct. Lobbying. On, on, on yes. certain issues, and they, they're not just tort reform. There, there are a lot of things that I've, I've either testified against bills or tried to speak to legislators, legislators mm-hmm. with whom I have a relationship with. But the lobbying pressure on this one was about as intense as I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And even folks who have done it for longer than I, you know, were telling me the pressure here is immense. It's large. I think there are the backers of this have financial reasons why they want it to, to pass. Um, I think they see an ability to broaden their scope, either in their business uh, interests or financially. Mm-hmm. You know, the arguments that you're going to hear. And the backers being the, you're speaking about the nursing correct. home industry. Uh, the argument, right. that's, that's correct. The nursing home industry, even dating back to issue four, they were the main funders of that, of that measure, and they're heavily invested in this as well. I think they have interest because, you know, the value of beds that, that nursing homes own, mm-hmm. if they can pass something like this, would increase. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes them more marketable, perhaps, more valuable to the owners. So they have an interest, and they have lobbyists, and they have money. Mm-hmm. The thing is about what I do, and, and I represent people who don't have that. I represent people in, a, in my community, in poor neighborhoods, in the Delta, People who don't have access to lobbyists, who can't stand up to and say to, to special interests, hey, you're, get your foot off my neck. So that's really, you know, the, the impetus behind what I do and why I think this is a bad law. I think there are, there's a real human face on this. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a macro view of, well, we want to do this to, for increased economic reasons, which I think are bogus. But there are real people that will hurt, right. you know, the least of us, you right. know, the, the, the poor the disabled, our family members in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really my interest in it is to stand up for those who don't have right. folks who can do it for them. Right. I think sometimes it's, it's character. It's, I don't want to say mischaracterized, but you know, people tend to look at this issue just as the interest groups that are for and against it. Right. And you know, that that's definitely part of the story that has to be discussed, but there is, like you're saying, a much more human face there is. to it. There is. It's, I mean, in my job, you know, as, as an attorney involved in public policy, trying cases for 20 years, you know, I wish there's been some things that I wish I could unsee, frankly. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I often joke kind of in a, in a dark way that you know, I don't get to meet nice people over a cup of coffee like we're doing this morning. I usually meet someone on the worst day of their life. Right. You know, someone's been harmed through no fault of their own or their life's been changed. And so I, I see that person. I sit across the table just like you're sitting across from me now. And I've, I've seen people cry. I've seen people in despair. I've seen people addicted to opioids mm-hmm. uh, because they've been hit by a car. I've seen, you know, and, and those people don't have anybody who cares right. about their cause. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's just what I've found to be my life's calling. You know, that's, that's my job. Right. And it seems like also, you know, not only do those individuals not have great advocates with, you know, financial backing and all sorts of things. But I think a lot of times, too, they're caught in a system that they don't fully understand. Right. Because it's wildly complex. Right. On all fronts. And expensive. And very expensive. And very expensive. Yeah. I, I, I often tell clients at the end of, end of a case, however it goes, is that, well, actually, they tell me the best way to say this. I had no idea this was going to be so hard. <laughs> I had no idea. I, right. I, I watched the news. And I think, oh, all you have to do is file a lawsuit and things work out. Mm-hmm. That's not the way the right. world works in right. Arkansas, especially. In my experience of 20 years, cherries usually get it right. Mm-hmm. 
and, and there is no such thing as a jackpot justice. Most juries look at a case objectively, skeptically. Right. I usually do the right thing. So the clients often tell me, this is not what I saw on TV. Right. This is not what I was told yeah. this was going to be like. Where's my headline and right. millions of dollars? Right. It's, right. Because most juries, you know, think about it, you know, you get 12 people from Arkansas, I, they usually try to do the right thing. They usually try to say, okay, let's be real, let's be rational, and they normally try to do right. Tend to be very pragmatic. Pragmatic. Yeah. And, and try to do the right thing. Right. And so, and I often tell these clients who say that to me, tell a friend, you know, right. that's the way it really works. Right. You know, it's not what you hear, especially from the groups pushing this amendment, that there's this climate out there where all this stuff happens and they hand out million dollar verdicts at the corner. Right. It does not, uh, it does your, not happen. For your viewers, <laughs> your listeners, rather, that does not happen. No. It just doesn't. And it's hard. And, and I often tell people that once they go through a, a civil trial, uh, they have a, a master's degree in, in litigation. They should share that knowledge. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Now they just got to sit for the bar, right? Right. Yeah. There you go. Um, so getting back to kind of the, mm -hmm. the impetus for why the nursing home industry is pushing this type of legislation. Is there something that they can point to? I've, I've researched it a little bit, mm -hmm. but I mean, I can't find any sort of hard metric that like, okay, this is the problem. You know, X has gone up by 20% for the last three years. I haven't been able to sure. find that. Can you? I really do think that, um, if you it's kind of like polling, right? If you rely on the outlier, you're probably going to get make some bad decisions. Mm -hmm. When I go out to that capital, I'm still reminded of a jury verdict in Mina almost 20 years ago in a nursing home case that was very large, later reduced from 79 million to 27 million, then later settled. I still hear about that. Mm -hmm. The outlier case right. being attempted to use that as the facts. Right. I was a baby lawyer on the defense side in that case. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that is the outlier. Absolutely. And I still hear yeah. about that case. Let me tell you some, some crazy facts, though, that should drive, I hope, the conversation. At Johns Hopkins, which is one of the better medical schools in the world, put a study out in the last year, year and a half that's, that said the third leading cause of death, this should, this should really blow your mind, the third leading cause of death in the United States behind cancer and heart disease are medical errors. Wow. And that is, that is even with the belief that medical errors are vastly underreported and, and vastly uh, not pursued. Mm -hmm. There is a, a situation where people are legitimately injured, um, but those are not the things you hear about. You hear right. the outlier. You hear, holy cow, this could happen, and therefore let's make rules on that. And I think that's when you make bad decisions. Right. So you are no on one. Correct. You are pushing that as your agenda. Who else is on your team? Who else is it? There's a lot. I'll give you just a couple. Family Council is one. Hmm. Uh, and Jerry Cox's group, they're very... Uh, and again, a lot of these groups have different reasons, mm -hmm. right? The Family Council is strongly against it. They have graded, they've scored that vote uh, as part of their voting package. They're very um, anti-issue one. Obviously, the Trial Lawyers Association, AARP, even people like Conduit for Action. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a wide a, right a diverse joke, group joking yeah. earlier that that you know when you can have AFL CIO and trial lawyers family counsel conduit for action uh, transparency groups around the state all opposed to a piece of legislation you've got a stunningly bad piece <laughs> right. of legislation so 
you know, it's really, and, and, and again, the issues that we're talking about, I don't think, I think it's immoral to put a, a price tag on the value of life, but or for government to put a, a, a cap on the value of life in creating a rigged system, you know, I, I just think that it's a nonpartisan issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's bipartisan or nonpartisan, however sure. you want to look yeah. at it. But I think folks both on the left and the right end of the spectrum can, can spot bad legislation when they see it. And again, like we said earlier, it's it's the whys, but also the who's. Right. You know, what? why do we need this? And who's really interested? Right. Yeah, that's the part I think that gets, for me specifically, that gets confusing. Why do we need this? Right. What is the actual data-based argument right. for why this, you know, what is this going to improve? How is this going to make Arkansans safer? How is it going to, you know provide better medical care. Right. How, like, how is that going to happen? Well, you just don't see it. Right. And, you know, in 2003, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier the Civil Justice Reform Act of 2003. As part of that bill, the Arkansas Insurance Department was going to track malpractice rates. Mm-hmm. You know, because the selling point was, and I remember when that bill passed, the, you know, they, they really pushed this. This is going to lower malpractice premiums. We're, we're driving doctors out of our out of our state. And the insurance department yearly was tasked with releasing information about, well, what's it really doing in malpractice premium? Zero change. Right. Right. I mean, it should, I mean, it shouldn't come. I mean, I'm sure the, the listeners understand. I mean, an insurance company that sees a resulting decrease in payout, there's not always a concomitant result lowering right. the premiums. Has right. anyone's car insurance ever gone ever down? Ever gone down. Exactly. Right. Like, so it's, I mean, that's a recruit example, but it's, it, but the, but the analogy is apt. Yes. The, the intrinsic evidence, even from Arkansas, mm-hmm. Uh, is that it doesn't reduce the malpractice premiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, and another thing that I think is is very important, one of the arguments that you hear is about frivolous lawsuits. Right. And as attorneys, we should be better about that. Sure. I, I don't think it's a good business model, but to the extent that it happens, we should be better about that. Nothing in this bill, this proposed constitutional amendment, would affect a frivolous lawsuit. Right. It would only hurt a meritorious lawsuit. Think about that. One of the things that you're going to hear in the next five, six months is this is going to cut down on those frivolous lawsuits. Incorrect. And I've, and I've challenged people who have been proponents of this, this legislation or this amendment to show me how it's going to cut down on a frivolous lawsuit. Right. The answer is it won't. Right. There's no provision in it to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even proposed some, some ideas as to how to try to cut down on those. Sure. But that's not where the real interest is. Right. Right. Well, Jesse, thanks for being here today. Do you want to have any closing sure. thoughts on the issue? Appreciate you uh, inviting me in. Uh, I'd urge all uh, Arkansans, all voters, to really examine this issue and to realize there's a human face on it. To realize that this is going to affect people, people you might know, people who might be in your family. Hopefully, we can avoid the nursing home. Hopefully, we can avoid medical errors. But chances are, someone very close to you will experience that. I think a position of empathy would be, would be helpful, and I'd uh, appreciate everyone voting no on one. All right. Thanks again for being with us. We'll talk to you next time on The Conversation. podcast you just heard was recorded with anchor if you want to make your own download the android or ios app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast that's anchor.fm slash podcast